Welcome to our podcast, Let's Talk Mental Health, the show where we'll be discussing all aspects of mental health and wellness and how it impacts our physical health. We will share stories and speak with our behavioral health experts to normalize conversations around mental health and the need for occasional support. Our goal is to reduce stigma and provide our listeners with the tools and resources they need to lead physically and mentally healthy lives. Hello, thank you for welcoming to our podcast. I'm going to be your host, Simona Trakiska, Senior Editorial Content Director at Providence. And today are going to be joining me, um, Dr. Ryan Dix, Clinical Manager um, at Providence, and Diane Spear, Registered Nurse and Care Manager at Providence Hospice of Seattle. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's great to join you. So today we're going to be talking about compassion um, and the difference between compassion fatigue and burnout. And so what is compassion fatigue? It's the personal experience that caregivers are undergoing and continue to undergo because of certain emotional pressures that they are going through. And burnout, it's what they're experiencing in regards to the chronic stressors from the workplace. So I wanted to start the conversation with some introductions. Diane, why don't we start with you, if you can say something about your role within Providence and your experience. Well, I started out as a ER director and a paramedic, and I was an ER director for almost 30 years. And then I got older and decided I would love to do this work to keep people out of the ER so they can have a safe trip at end of life I saw so many patients that would be going into the ER with aggressive treatment, um, CPR, they didn't have proper pulse forms, they were in their 90s, maybe chest cracked, everything. So um, I feel like in this work, we can help people have a safe trip. And that's why I chose to work for hospice. Thank you. And Dr. Ryan, can you please tell us a little bit more about your role? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Dr. Ryan Dix. I'm a licensed psychologist. Uh, my role for Providence is as a behavioral health manager, where I manage a number of behavioral health providers in medical specialties, uh, as well as our adult and senior outpatient psychiatry clinics. With Providence, I've worked as an integrated primary care psychologist. I've worked in medical education. And, and prior to coming to Providence, I also worked uh, in other health systems doing integrated primary care hospital work as well as uh, emergency room consultations as well. So kind of a mixture of background. Thank you. So the mental strains over the last 20 months have been many. COVID-19 has created a sudden and urgent um, situation for our healthcare system, for our caregivers, and everyone has been impacted from patients and their families to all caregivers. And so today we're going to be addressing the stressors of our caregivers that they are undergoing on a constant basis. It's, and the first question, I guess, is what do you think is the biggest difference bef- between COVID-19 times prior and then current? And Diane, we can start with you. Yeah, in my world, patients many times were taken into the hospital or taken to facilities or they were in facilities and they never got to see their family again and they died without having their family present because of um, restrictions due to COVID. And so that's been a big difference and it's been a big strain. I know I held many patients up to the window while their grandchildren or their families would be able to see them um, and they were not allowed in. So that's been a, a something really new in healthcare. 
Another thing that's been rough is, you know, I, I wrote down this statement that I read. It said, while the world fights over a shop, the medical field is fighting to keep their desire to serve. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of all this, where you're doing the best you can to be professional and take care of people and just do what your calling or your passion is, there's so many um, arguments around that, around that you should get the shot, you shouldn't get the shot. Why are you masked up like that? You know, and then you're trying to do your work with an N95 and a shield and a gown, and it just makes everything more difficult. Uh, indeed, indeed. Thank you for sharing. Um, and Dr. Ryan, on your end, what is the biggest difference that you have noticed? Uh, I feel like really uh, almost everything has changed. As uh, For me, I think what's most important for this conversation is that uh, prior to the pandemic, it was really a people could could leave leave this the situation at work and you could go home and you could kind of um, engage in your normal daily activities but what the pandemic has done is it's it's really from my experience and what i've seen in other caregivers is really spread into all of those spaces so there's really no separation um, from the stress that exists to to be able to uh, work work through or kind of come down from some of the stress that happens at work part of that uh, as diane mentioned is is because of some of the conversations that are going on but the pandemic has impacted really every aspect of our life and so there's not necessarily a separation that exists between really hard emotional uh, stressful work and, and home it's really kind of blended across those spaces um, I, I totally agree that uh, everything has changed and everyone has been impacted. The, the severity is different for different people, but everyone has been impacted. So you mentioned something very important, which is there is no separation. You know, during COVID-19 times, we take the stressors from work, we bring them home. Everybody is experiencing some level of trauma. And so... I guess, what are some of the signs um, that you both have witnessed in regards to burnout and compassion fatigue in your colleagues, in yourself? I noticed as far as nursing goes, a lot of the nurses quit or they were afraid to go out. So they did all telehealth visits. So I continued to want to see my patients in person. So I continued to go out and do live visits but there were less of us. So we kind of had to double our caseload and actually kind of work harder. And, and the whole time you're doing that, as once again, I said, you, you can't breathe. You're in your N95 and your shield and your gown. And many times even going into facilities, we had to dress outside in the rain because they didn't want us gowning up in their entry. So you'd start out wet in the first place when you go in. And a lot of that made it more difficult. And then as, as the psychologist was saying, it's you go home and you maybe can't see your family or you can't go out or you can't do something because everything shut down, you know, in the beginning of the pandemic. So that was kind of hard too. So then you go home and you're isolated. So there's that level of loneliness also that it's, that it's happening on a massive level. It, it's way more extreme than ever before. Mm -hmm. For many, for many. And I feel that you have to do something 
within yourself or for yourself to create. And like I said, I've tried to create kind of a temple in my own home, as you were saying last week, so I can come home and heal and turn my phone off and kind of be quiet. And because um, I get so many calls in the daytime, mm -hmm. so you have to, every person has to do what they have to do to keep their mental and physical health during mm -hmm. this Thank you for sharing. So it seems like you, you noticed what is happening with you being overwhelmed and then you decided to create this tempo in your home so you can relax and disconnect and unwind. Um, and Dr. Ryan, what have you noticed in regards to signs um, and symptoms in, you know, with your clients or even for yourself? Yeah, I think uh, in talking with other caregivers, really things like uh, feeling helpless or defeated uh, with what they're facing, feelings of detachment or, or really feeling alone, just a, a lack of satisfaction or sense of accomplishment with what they're doing, uh, irritability, anger, mm -hmm. for some just kind of feeling numb to the, to the situation. Of course, you'll see um, some physical manifestations as well, whether that's trouble with sleeping or potentially trouble with eating or overeating. So I, I think it, it's going to look a little different depending upon the individual, but certainly uh, some of these things are, are signs or symptoms of uh, compassion fatigue and, and burnout. And so those are just a few of the things that I've seen. Mm -hmm. Well, you're totally right because everything is interconnected. So the moment that you're mentally impacted and you're suffering, then your emotions are impacted, your thoughts, your feelings, your physical body is hurting. And so probably everybody has gone through an enormous amount of insomnia in the last few years. Um, and so, Diane, when you work, you know, with your patients, um, what, what has been the one key element that has really helped you and them to kind of like go by the day and, and find the silver lining and even support each other? Well, the patients and families um, most generally have been very grateful you're there. I know that I've tried to go there when they would have a birthday or a special holiday to help them celebrate because they weren't able to many times see their family. And so I try to make a special effort to, to cheer them up when I was there. But another thing I've noticed during this time was family members have been a lot more irritable than they ever have because they're anxious, they're upset, they don't understand what's happening. They don't understand why they can't go in. Um, so there's been a lot more kind of demands made on the, the healthcare professionals. And I've noticed the phone calls have increased. I noticed that some days in seven hours, I would get up to 27 phone calls. And that would be between coworkers that wanted to talk or between family members or uh, facilities or patients, you know. So I noticed a, a horrendous increase in phone calls. And that's another reason why for myself, I've had to come home and tell my daughters, you know, I can't talk for a while. I mean, I'm already losing my voice today. So that's been a big, big difference. Mm -hmm. Dr. Ryan, as Diane is describing all of these pressures, um, I'm certain that you're working with various patients within the caregiving system. And so when you 
listen to all of these pressures. Like, what are some of the advices that you would provide for caregivers who are experiencing shock, who are not having all of the answers? Their world has changed. Um, and, you know, when we talk about compassion fatigue, it's very natural for caregivers to be empaths and to provide love and care for their patients. But it has increased to such an extent that at a certain point it, you become numb because it's also a self-defensive mechanism to protect yourself because you are feeling exhausted. So if you can share a little bit more with us about that. I think that we cannot hear you. I apologize. Yeah, sorry about that. I think about it at a level, uh, what are the things that a caregiver can do? And I think of equal importance, really thinking about what are the things that the team around that caregiver can do as well as the system that's around those individual teams can do. As, as I would imagine most people can um, empathize with, is it's hard to know um, or always have a great sense of when you are struggling as an individual. And so where it's important to, to be aware of what those signs are, remembering that it's of equal importance, I think, to have uh, teams around and the system around to also be proactive or at, at least um, asking and assessing for, for compassion fatigue, burnout, those types of things in the caregivers that you support or that the that the system supports. As a as an individual caregiver, you really would want to look out for some of those symptoms that I mentioned a little bit earlier. Again, for yourself and for for caregivers that you might interact with, and really having a good sense of uh, of change or shifting from where where I have seen myself uh, having been historically, where I would wake up excited for the day or I would look forward to the week starting. Maybe I'm not excited about that or I might even be dreading the start of the week. And, I, and again, some of those physical impacts, um, having a hard trouble sleeping, whereas normally I would never have that. I'm arguing with my significant other uh, and that isn't something that I would normally do. Feeling disengaged with my uh, my children or or things that I would otherwise find enjoyment in. So we're really trying to keep, do our best to do some self-assessment, but I think it's just of equal importance to make sure that the systems around our caregivers are checking in and making sure that we're assessing those as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for sharing these insights. Um, COVID-19, it's still quite present and uh, we don't know uh, what the future withholds, but we believe in science and we believe in effort. Um, and so uh, we're all hopeful. Um, but you mentioned something in regards to the importance of getting support from your team, um, from your family, even if it's remotely, to help create a social circle um, as much as possible during these times. And um, I wanted to ask Diane, what has she noticed in regards to um, kind of like the elevation of support within you know, the hospice space, um, just, um, it feels like before we used to support each other, but now the environment has become even more cohesive while there is a lot of frustration, while everybody's undergoing stress. And, you know, some folks have left their jobs. They they have reached the point that, um, you know, it was That's enough was enough. Um, but for the folks that have stayed and for the folks that are continuing to support each other, the teams, the managers, 
What is your perspective on, on that? What have you noticed? I've found that we have a very fortunate to have a lot of support from our Providence Hospice of Seattle administration. They've been very aware of everything we're going through and what they're going through, trying to run the organization. And we've done a lot of telehealth visits. The, the difference that has happened with COVID is we can't do the in-person. You know, we couldn't, we can't all meet together like we used to, but they make sure there's meetings online, there's educational offerings. They've sent us um, hangry boxes in the mail with food and different things and just been very supportive. So we're fortunate there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, when we talk about burnout, I believe that this is a concept that quite quite a few uh, years has been around and people understand it, but burnout has taken a, you know, it has gone to a completely different level with COVID-19. And because it is a mental and physical exhaustion um, at the workplace, I wonder also, Dr. Ryan, you know, when you see these symptoms in your patients, you know, feelings of hopelessness and defeat, detachment, you know, the loss of motivation, decreased satisfaction, um, you know, what is your advice? Is it for them to become more self-aware of, you know, what they're experiencing or they already are? And then you start slowly to work towards the coping strategies and practical strategies that they can implement in their daily life so they can get better. Yeah, I think it's it's a combination of those pieces. Are they aware of what it looks like for them? And what it looks like for them may not look exactly the same as what it looks like for potentially someone in their social circle. Also trying to get an understanding of context. So are they are they do they have a work environment that's supportive or is their work environment playing a, a potential role in some of the stress or, or symptoms that they're experiencing? What are some of those uh, protective factors that they have around themselves and sometimes helping them re-engage with some of the previously helpful strategies that many of us have gotten away from, partly because things like going to a movie or um, whatever other activities you may have done before the pandemic had been taken away for a while. So some of that may just be re-engaging with some of those pieces, but some of it may also be creating new opportunities to identify ways that we might be able to manage stress in a, in a different way, whether that's trying a new hobby, whether that's connecting with uh, social supports in a different kind of way. But the contextual piece of it, again, looking at are there parts, are there systems that they're a part of that they also might be able to influence uh, or ask to have some some shifts made in those systems as well can be another part of the conversation that you can have with an individual person. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it seems like uh, understanding reality and you know that we are all on collective level going through various difficulties, but also knowing that there are coping strategies and practical steps that people can take to take care of their own well-being. Um, it's, a, it's a great advice and um, for anyone, for any caregiver that is experiencing some of these symptoms, um, please reach out to, um, you know, a behavioral specialist within the network or a mental health specialist, talk to your physician. Um, and Diane, I wanted to ask you, last time you and I talked um, about perseverance and how people have learned um, 
quite quickly um, without knowing how to be more flexible, how to gain more perseverance, how to believe in that higher purpose of their work to stay connected to their heart and to that of others. And we talked about, you know, our existence overall as human beings and being connected to the universe. And I know that we wanted to um, just mention a little bit about that um, to give hope and inspiration to everyone that is listening. I, I really think that, you know, if your heart's in your work and you have passion about what you do, you can continue to do that and feel good. I mean, I really have felt like I've very much thrived through this whole pandemic. But what I've learned is some, a lot of nurses that I've talked to, many have had to just plain quit or retire. Or one nurse was totally what I would call burned out and she went into industrial medicine. So she went to a completely different line of work. So you have to really know yourself and set your boundaries. And one of my boundaries has been, I've really had to um, shut my phone off and actually cut out some friends that were lonely and wanted to talk more or see me more. And I just couldn't do it anymore because I was choosing to give myself to, you know, my daughters and my work. Mm -hmm. So you have to know your own boundaries and, and really, really take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. I feel like sometimes people ask me what I do. I, I feel like I'm a travel agent and all my patients go to the same place, you know, in hospice. And um, they've never they've never died before and they want to do it with respect and dignity. And it's our job to help them, as I said, have a safe trip. And we have to be present and our heart has to be there to continue to do this work. So if your heart isn't in it, you know, then it's not for you. Yeah, we talked about, you know, being a human, it's not easy. And, you know, for the caregivers that have left their jobs, you know, we, we totally understand. Uh, it's, it's it, you know, our own personal well-being is so important because if we don't help ourselves, we cannot really help our patients. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, every everybody takes the best decision possible for themselves, which is wonderful. Um, and Dr. Ryan, what do you think about the caregivers that are still in the system, that are continuing um, to do their work on a daily basis, still undergoing through challenges and feeling overwhelmed, but finding these coping strategies? What, what is your advice to them? I think certainly identifying other opportunities for you as an individual to increase utilization of the coping strategies you have, potentially build new ones, uh, potentially reaching out to uh, social support, depending upon where stress really seems to be coming to you. Diane kind of mentioned that um, there may be there may be individuals in your circle that you might want to uh, prioritize differently going forward. Mm -hmm. Similarly, in the work environment, are there things you might be able to talk with your manager about or your co-leader about that might be helpful from a team's perspective as well as part of that. And the system has also uh, put together an, a really good list of options that individuals have to be able to reach out for additional help if you feel like it's reached a level where uh, you're either engaging in behavior that really makes you feel uncomfortable about yourself or feels unsafe, making sure that people know that those resources exist uh, and that they access them when they when they might be feeling that way. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the hardship has been different for everyone, and we know that some caregivers, um, it, it has hit them hard. Um, there have been caregivers who have suicide thoughts, and they have started, um, you know, uh, substance abuse. They have severe insomnia, depression, and anxiety. Um, and so what would you say to, you know, these caregivers that the signs are w- way more um, obvious for them? Um, what is the help that they instantly need to um, search for and, and find? That could be reaching out to a medical professional, whether that's their primary care provider, if they have a counselor or therapist um, that they might be able to reach out to. If they have a trusted person in their social environment, making sure that they connect with that individual so that they can ensure that they get help. There's a number of crisis lines that are available as well. And Providence additionally has put together resources that people would want to reach out to. As I've talked with um, people about a number of times over the years, not, not even necessarily specific to the pandemic, but that these are treatable conditions, that these are um, these are things that, that we can help. And having people realize that when sometimes they don't, they don't feel like that's true is a really important message that people leave with is that these are treatable, that, that you can get better and making sure that you connect with those resources to help you get better. Thank you. Thank you. Such an important information. And uh, we we really think about all of our caregivers and we're so grateful for all of the work that they do. Um, and Diana and I um, spoke last week and we talked about how important it has been to normalize this type of conversations because um, on collective level, not only on the personal level, but on a collective level, we all have experienced very similar emotions. Um, um, so, Diane, I wanted um, to ask you, because we do have about five minutes to wrap up, um, what inspires you every day? What is what is the, the hopeful message that you have for everybody out there? Well, personally, I forgot to mention something with Providence Hospice. We have amazing physicians that work with us, and our doctors have gone out there with us on joint visits. When we have tough patients, they've been right there by our side to go to homes facilities, hospitals, wherever we need to go. Um, Dr. Jen, Dr. Bruce Smith, Dr. Wynn, Dr. Christensen, our ARNPs, Valerie, Megan. I mean, they they could not do more. They've been wonderful. Um, but what I think is every person, once again, has to set boundaries and do what you need to protect yourself. And your heart really has to be in your work. And I every day I wake up and and I'm kind of excited to go see my patients and try to make sure I'm making them as comfortable as possible so they have the best quality of life because they're at their end of life. So I I still am very lucky to have still find passion in what I do. Well, thank you for still finding it. Um, Oh, Eglinton, um, Kristen Eglinton, our doctor of pharmacology too, been amazing. We're, We're very lucky at Providence. Wonderful. Well, we do have a question from our audience that I would um, ask both of you um, to provide input if um, uh, you would like. Um, what advice can you give for someone like me who is just starting their journey into healthcare, given the circumstances we have seen in the past almost two years due to the pandemic? And Dr. Rani, we can start with you if you would like. 
Yeah, I think, especially earlier in your career, I, um, not that you necessarily uh, lose this later on, but I think uh, oftentimes in really early in your career, you have, a, uh, you've more recently thought about what is it that's inspiring me to go into this, this career. And so I think um, really feeling solid in that, hope, realizing that, that things will shift as you move forward in your career. But if you can always hold on to what is it that, that is inspiring me to go into this work, um, whether it's a pandemic or some other type of uh, challenge that comes along, really being able to hold on to that, I think is an important piece. Mm -hmm. I've been um, working with a lot of new nurses and a lot of, um, we even have an impressive program right now, and a lot of new, you know, people that haven't been in nursing very long. And I always say to them, why did you choose this work um, to start out with hospice? And they've usually they always say a good reason and this is really a passion they've wanted to do so then we have to encourage them as older nurses to to support them and be there for them and know that we're there if they need help out in the field and to support each other mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. such a valuable advisors um so i guess i have one more question for both of you and then we'll wrap up it feels so fast <laughs> um we can uh, probably continue this conversation for another few hours. Um, but what is one thing that you would like our audience to really get out of this conversation, um, even though a short one, uh, but hopefully meaningful? Like we can start to see yeah. that we're, we're all doing the best we can every day. And um, we're doing the best we can to take care of our patients and ourselves and each other and our families. So I think we just have to be more kind to each other and more tolerant of each other and more supportive of each other. Thank you, Diane. I think for me, if, it, if, if somebody is experiencing compassion fatigue or burnout, again, that this, these are treatable things. These are things that we can help with and making sure that you reach out to whatever avenue feels appropriate for you and being able to get help with that. Um, I think that's the most important message. Thank you. Thank you both so much for joining us today. Um, just as a reminder, the information provided during this event, it's for informational purposes only. For any medical questions, please reach out to your primary care uh, provider um, and healthcare specialists. Um, and so I want to thank both of you so much, Ren and Diane. Uh, again, this feels way too short of a conversation. Uh, hopefully we're gonna have more of this um, in the upcoming weeks. Um, Thank you for the work that you do and uh, to learn more about our initiatives, programs, services and ways to give, please visit providence.org. Have a beautiful day and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.